Season 1, Episode 3. I'm your host, Hope Johnson. Thanks again for tuning in to this broadcast. Check us out at YouTube. Subscribe. There you will find this episode. Also, patreon.com forward slash strangebrowradio. We couldn't do it without our patrons. And if you'd like to be one, there's more content out that way. We have a great guest, but I want to thank our sponsor, Feral by Aaron, over at Etsy, Alchemy, Sound Tools, Spirit Tools. E-R-Y-N is how you spell that. Over at Etsy, Feral by Aaron. Also, our very own Drifted Creations drifter, Alex Whitcomb. Go to driftedcreations.com and order yourself one of many different commissioned works that Alex will do for you. He finds the driftwood, sculpts it like a wizard, and then ships it out to you. That's over at driftedcreations.com. All right, more on our guest in a moment. We'll be right back. All right, before we get to our guest today, I will tell you that Part one of the Strange Straw Witch. Da, 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 da. You guys chose for me to go to Skookum Creek for the Skookum Creek adventure. And I was allowed to bring uh, a pack of backwood cigars. Always a pleasure. It's also a good gifting item to leave out. My SLS camera app, which may be a bunch of hooey, but we brought it anyway. And also the dousing rods and part one has been filmed i did get uh weathered out of the situation there was a a storm that kicked through after the sun went down around 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock at night i tried to get to lower elevation so i need to go back for part two so that should be happening the next nice weather spell that we have and i don't have an interview to do and i'll edit those all together into one happy little 40-minute deal. Now, anything over 30 minutes really is pushing it as far as attention span for viewers or listeners. Most of you, according to the algorithms, are under 30 years old and uh, have an attention span of less than a half hour. So most of these podcasts run well over a half hour, this one included. And so uh, we'll have to see if that changes over time. But I'm going to try to keep uh, the video portions down to uh, 40 minutes or less. So there'll be quite a bit of editing that happens here. Because when you go out to film, of course, you're just doing it for, you know, five or six hours, depending upon how many batteries you have with you. And then that goes down to 20 or 30 minutes. So it's uh, it's well worth the time. It's a lot of fun for me to do. And it keeps me out of trouble. And that's, that's important. So when I'm not doing that, uh, we're also in the process here of finishing up these two docs. And part of the holdup here regarding the release dates is not only the editing, but also uh, writing your own music. And then new information coming in that you don't necessarily want to leave out of the first chapters here of both these docs. So I'm taking it under my wing here with uh, the release of the El Moon Lab documentary, which probably will be... Uh, exclusively only on Patreon the first 60 days or so. Um, they'll get first dibs at it. And that will be all the all, all the 
old archived videos, photos, and sounds all mashed in together for a visual experience, which will definitely run over 45 minutes. But speaking to investigator, producer, and mind behind Monster Quest uh, regarding his single sheet paper he released on Sasquatch Alba Vernix. And I have uh, posted something about this. And if you haven't heard of what Sasquatch Alba Vernix is, well, it's a, it's a really cool name, I think, describing what we've been trying to find out more about, which is these chalky white handprints. And uh, so that's exactly what Alba Vernix means, is uh, white, viscous, human-type fluid. Kind of like the same fluid that you would find uh, uniquely attached to the skin cells and the residue of, of a newborn. And this sticky, white, oily substance is very difficult to get off of surfaces. In fact, I get into details with Doug in an upcoming uh, video that I shot with him regarding what he's found with this and the tests that they're going to do and how we can collect it and maybe what it's tied into. So look forward to that. I don't know the date uh, that one will be coming up because it's an ongoing thing, but if you have any kind of residue, impression, fingerprint, face print, anything that's attached to you or surfaces around you that you think is well out of place, especially if it mimics something very large or small or four-fingered, uh, you know, attached to glass, attached to windows, metal, your door, whatever, get, a, get in touch with me at strangebrowradio at gmail.com, and uh, I'd like to talk to you. Okay, switching gears coming up next is uh, an in-depth conversation with extended experiencer John Brown. Now, John's been on the show before, and I've never really spoke about John and his experiences in depth. Uh, never had a chance to sit down and interview John. So that's what we got. If uh, you hop over to YouTube, hit subscribe. I, I hope you would. And uh, there you'll find the video as well with John. And so we're sitting back in the woods, and John is going to tell you his story his perspective on being an extended experiencer of Sasquatch interaction and where he's taking things today. So my conversation from the Salish Sasquatch story with John Brown. All right, John, you've agreed to meet me here today. I appreciate you doing that. And we are out in the boonies and you are headed out Bigfooting away from your house. Yeah. Which is interesting because if anybody knows your story, you wouldn't have to do that. You're not an ambulance chaser like I was all those years. And we talked a little bit about what I mean by ambulance chasing people that have to go find Bigfoot. Right. You don't have to find Bigfoot. Well, it's more, it's more so just getting together with friends and camping while, you know, going to a, going to an area that they're having activity and for me going to a place like that is more it's more of a it's more of a escape because I, I i i'm at my house all the time and so right it's it's not as fun it's sometimes it's just good to have a have a little outing with some buddies and but these are all big footers yeah are there any newbies showing up uh no okay 
and they would have are they extended experiencers like you uh that is to say do they have the and they have backyard bigfoot like you do <laughs> <laughs> no but uh they've been they've been you know actively going places for mm -hmm. 10 years or so so they're seasoned yeah and what do they think of your story generally speaking are they all on board with what you've talked about i don't know anybody who that i'm that i'm close with that doesn't believe it yeah you haven't had to convince anyone no have they been out to your place yeah uh-huh have they had experiences too yep okay but it's not like it was where it was kind of you guys were doing podcast you and Sarah were, you know, actively on radio shows. That's how I found out about you. And uh, you're discussing everything that was unfolding, which kind of erupted, as far as I remember correctly. It's not like you knew about the land and you were apprehensive about moving on the land because there was Sasquatch. It just, did it come out of nowhere? How did it happen? Well... I was going out to I was going out to my car one night and I you know heard some whistling and at the same time I smelt something that smelt kind of like a skunk but not not quite as sharp as a skunk but it was a very strong smell outside and so I hear a whistle from one side of the property and then a whistle from another side and it was it was after that that we had you know started spending some time outside and, and started hearing like Mm -hmm. strange noises uh, scr loud screams mm -hmm. whistles rocks being banged together tree knocks things of that sort and we should remind people this is on a reservation right yeah yeah is this a property that's been handed down to you from generations like yeah it's been in my family for a few generations over 100 years uh probably 80 years or so yeah getting close and you will pass it down as well yeah so you have no intention of leaving? No. Did it did it ever come to that where you're just like this is too much crazy shit? This is too much Bigfoot. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say I was ever that fear stricken to the point where you know it's like, okay, it's time to leave or anything like that. That never crossed my mind. Mm -hmm. But uh that doesn't change the fact that, you know, when you actually do see them it can be scary. Just the physical nature of them, the size? Well, there's that. <laughs> you know, they... You just don't know. You just don't know with it, you know, being this wild monster, like, what could... What they're capable of, you know? Mm -hmm. You use the word monster. Well, when you, when you see one for the first time, that's... Even if you, you know, mm -hmm. know that Bigfoot is real and everything, you believed in it before... Mm -hmm. But when you're seeing one for the first time, there's, it, it, it looks like a monster to you, you know, mm -hmm. because it's, it's that unreal to see. Right. And your kids know monsters are real too. Well, they've they've heard quite a bit of things. Yeah. Right. Because we we talked about that previously, as far as your kids not all being deniers of the mm -hmm. activity. I mean, they they more or less, you know, grew up having you know things mm -hmm. like that happen. So. It's just something that's been accepted to them. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't even say that they're, I wouldn't even say that they're necessarily 
scared as far as like staying up at night and you know worrying about Sasquatch roaming through the woods or anything. Right. So we're going to skip around here a little bit and remind people that if they want to hear your episode, they can do that. It's at the Patreon. Uh, it's episode 107. And in that interview, uh, which was just us on the phone, you talked about uh, just the other night, you said, I believe, that your daughter heard a slap on the wall or the window. And tell, retell that story. Okay, so I want to say that was a month to a month and a half ago. Okay. I'm not positive. But it was, it was shortly before when I had, Steve you know, Harvey. when I had uh, spoken with you. Mm -hmm. It was, I believe it was close to that time. But uh, I wake up on Saturday morning and I look at my phone and I have a text from my daughter and she's at one thirty in the morning and said, Dad, did you just bang on my window? And I had to, she's a teenager, so I had to, I had to wait till she woke up at like 11 o'clock and I asked her what happened and she goes well I something banged on my window and then I texted to see if it was you and I saw that you were sleeping and first of all I would never banged on her window in the first place right and so she just she had to ask you know but it's the I remember the night before it was kind of it was really cold. It was like 28 degrees out. And so for it's not impossible that it wasn't somebody walking around at night and just banging on a window. But at the same time, you're banging on somebody's window at 1.30 in the morning. There's a chance you could get shot. Right. It's just not a very intelligent thing to do if, you know, somebody's concerned about safety. So two nights after that, I was laying in bed and... I wake up at 12:30 in the morning to this slap on the side of the house. And I mean it was it was really loud like something just crashed into the side of the house. So I grab my pistol and flashlight go outside. There's nothing disturbed. It isn't like garbage cans outside are, you know, tipped over or anything was out of place or anything like that. I mean it 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 just there was just really loud thump on the side of the house a couple of nights after she had you know heard that knocking on her window mm -hmm. so i mean could it have been a person yeah but um there's a lot of stories of sasquatch that have slapped on people's houses and you know things like right. that too so i definitely can't well how often that. how often does that happen where your house gets hit uh, no I, there's only been a handful of times that that's happened but, uh, and how many years? Ten years or so. Really? That's a long time to only have a slap. Uh, you know, or two or less than ten slaps in ten years. But at the same time, maybe it could have happened at four o'clock in the mm -hmm. morning and nobody heard it, you know? Right, and we're speaking specifically if this is Sasquatch doing this kind of thing, but you've never seen a Sasquatch slap your house. Is, no, I have. I've never seen a Sasquatch slap my house. What about property damage? We didn't talk about whether or not you had um, found any handprints or DNA, or uh, were you a part of the Ketchum study or the Erickson project or any of those derivatives? No, no. nothing like that. Were you ever asked to collect evidence for any of that stuff? I wouldn't say that we've collected very many uh, hair samples. What about tracks? Um. There's been a couple of ca tracks that we've cast. Uh, 
And I mean, if you can see like the, all the ground litter that's around here, it's pretty close to the same as, you know, on our property. If you were to step right there, you're not going to see a, you're not going to see mm. a footprint. So you never found any, like what I, I would call business card tracks where they basically, oh, let's give them a track he can't avoid out here by the front of his car or something like that. There's never been any obvious evidence like that left behind. Well, I mean, we have, we have cast a couple of tracks and, uh, one of them was where we had, you know, got the, got the thermal video mm -hmm. and even in, even in, even with that track, I can't remember how big it was, like maybe 16 or 16 and a half inches. It, it wasn't, it wasn't anything that looked like a beautiful track with, you know, clear toes or anything like that. I mean, it was, you know, cast on a bunch of like leaf litter and such. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because you know you're you're in a special class of people that experience Bigfoot activity, and uh, there's some things that are commonalities, and one of those things is either property damage or handprints, uh, tracks that seem too obvious, almost like they've just been almost like hoaxed. They're so obvious, like what the hell, like you know, cookie cutter impressions, things like that. Um, but then you've experienced. Uh, well, you've experienced quite a bit, I mean, in regards to extended experiencers, but you're really, as far as like grabbing the ultimate shot, you've been able to do that. And so let's just touch on the Grays Harbor video just for a second, because if you had to do it all over again, um, you would have recorded it sooner because you described it laying down. And then it coming up, you don't, you don't have yeah, that when I shot. When I was first looking at it through the viewfinder, I, what I saw was a head towards the ground. And then I'm, you know, trying to dink around with the device, trying to figure out how to get it to record because we didn't have it. We didn't. Derek and uh, David from the Olympic Project, they had, they had lent it to us, just maybe a week or so, week or two before that. Yeah. And so we, the only thing that we ever did before was scan. We didn't really have to record because you know without without seeing anything and it's i definitely would have been more familiar with the device and i would have you know adjusted the lens for clarity and if there would have been just a couple more things that we knew about the camera at the time it would have been the footage would have been 10 times better than what it is and one of the things uh i don't know about and maybe you said this before and i missed it but how did it leave I mean, did you watch it leave? Did you did the battery run out and you got frustrated? How did it leave? Because you, should, so, you so certainly the, didn't So leave. the device was recording for 2 minutes and 20 seconds. And then it just unexpectedly shut off. I don't know if it had some type of auto shutdown feature or mm -hmm. if it had anything to do with battery life on the camera. Mm -hmm. Because we were able to get it going again. But by the time that we were able to get it going again, we, we, didn't, we didn't pick it up again. It had... Uh, it, it was not in the same spot. We didn't, mm. just like it left. But given how close it was, because it didn't have like a, how big was the zoom? Did it zoom in? Were you at a far distance? Were you less than 100 yards? 120 feet. Okay. So you could have approached it after the therm went out. You could have grabbed a mag light and said, gotcha, we're going in. I got my camera phone. What, what happened there? Why didn't that happen? I mean, we were just trying to, be observant through the through the thermal like 
mm -hmm. I guess without having the time to think, okay, what would be the best thing that we could do right now? Could we, you know, we're not knowing that it's going to, that the camera's going to shut off. And so right. if we were looking for more movement, it would have been ideal to throw something in that direction right. to, you know, get some type of a reaction on recording. And I don't remember if we had a, I don't remember if we had a bright mag light out there at the time. So I don't know how, how capable we would have been at the time to get, you know, actual video mm -hmm. footage, not through thermal, but through like, you was know, a cell phone and a light. Was it ever discussed? Like now the thermal's dead, we know it's still there. What did you do next? After we the... just kept trying to get the device to... So you got frustrated and you had your face in tech. You weren't yeah. communicating or... Yeah, we were just focusing on getting it turned back on. Right. Okay. And so you you get frustrated, and I, I don't want to belabor this, but I think it's interesting to talk about because people never really ask, like, well, why didn't you go after it? Why didn't you, you know, pull a Matt Moneymaker and chase <laughs> after that squatch? What, what happened, John? I mean, looking <laughs> back at it, I wish we would have done a lot of crazy things like that, but it, mm. it didn't happen, you know? Mm -hmm. So you assume it left. It could have still been there while you were fumbling. Yeah. Do you think it was? I mean, there's a possibility, but you have to also understand that we were, you know, afraid at the same time too. So we didn't want to mm -hmm. go creeping back there and you know mm -hmm. see how see how close we can get to it. I mean, yeah. I, Are you pro when kill? When am I pro kill? Yeah. Because when you talk about fear, um, and I hate to just blast that out you, but I never asked you that. Are you pro kill? Like, is this something if you could take it down? I'm not saying that I would want to take one down. Right. Because I don't. And no judgment. I, I don't. I don't. I don't know. I don't know like what kind of uh, consequences legally that could happen to somebody for doing it. Mm -hmm. But uh, is there anything from the res standpoint that would come down on you? No, I don't think so. But I mean, I just don't know if it, I used to say that I would that I would do it, but I don't. I don't know that it would be something that I'd be comfortable with now. Do you um, carry a piece when you walk out in your property? Oh, yeah, all the time. Yeah. Because there's other things out there yeah. besides Bigfoot. Yeah. But I definitely, uh, I'd like to see somebody else get one. You would? Yeah. You think that's happened? I think it's possible that it's happened. But you haven't been told by any insider, like, listen, we killed one of those things and it was no bueno. We had squatches at our door for 30 years. <laughs> no, no stories. No, from... I mean, I mean, I've heard, I've heard stories that, yeah. you know, other people have had. And, mm -hmm. you know, whether or not they, whether or not they did kill one is, you know, it's, it's a story if it's, you know, not something that you can really see. Right. Well, Are I just you... think, I just think that that's the only way that somebody could definitively prove it. And if you're, if you're, if you're just looking for validation for ed everybody that says that they've seen a Bigfoot mm -hmm. and everybody else saying you're full of shit, then there's an actual corpse that validates everybody's stories. If you're actually concerned about, you know, the species itself mm -hmm. then the only way to really help out the species as far as like any conservation efforts or mm -hmm. anything like that is you know if you had a body all right let's talk about those two parallels then or those or, you know they eventually parallel but um the issue of science and a body and the issue of proof for ego's sake because that's kind of what it turns into is like I've been made fun of. I've been called every name in the book. 
FU. We got a body. It's in the Smithsonian. Go check it out. I mean, I imagine... Let the car go by. I imagine that everybody in the UFO community probably feels a certain sense of justification now that the Navy's come out and said we have off-world vehicles not of this earth so everybody that's made a report and been made fun of with the X-Files music playing in the background or antennas on their heads that they're doing an interview all the bullshit that they've gone through including myself my family that had encounters like that uh, feels a certain sense of vindication so that sense of vindication on our part to say now we we have data. We have a body. It's right there. I mean, we know what they are, and they are this, that, or the other. What do you think is more important, the science part or you being validated or me being validated or anybody else? Um, I think both would be important. Yeah. I wouldn't necessarily say that. I wouldn't necessarily say that, you know, one is a better reason than the other. I mean, the, but I... Mm-hmm. I don't, uh, for, for me personally, I don't have, I don't have this, uh, strong desire to like protect the species or anything like that. That's not my, that's not my passion. It's just right. as far as, as far as, you know, being interested in the subject, you know, having, seeing, seeing, a, having a corpse for everybody to acknowledge that they're real. I think would be satisfying. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I understand the predicament of what what you're saying here because how important is proof to you? Do you ever find yourself... And I, when I ask you these questions, John, I'm speaking from a real honest point of view. Like, how important is proof to me based upon ego? Like, I want to prove this to shut, you know, up... Uh, a family member that made fun of me during whatever. You know what I mean? Like, in your face, here's the evidence, shut the F up. How important is proof to you? Like, is it still super important? I mean, as far as, as far as, like, for my, you know, my own stories are validated. Yeah. It's not that important to me. If somebody doesn't, you know, believe my story, that's, that's, that's their, that's their right. They can believe whatever they want. There's Mm -hmm. plenty of people that just don't think that there's any possibility that Sasquatch exists. It's okay. I'm not trying to. I'm not mm-hmm. trying to. I'm not trying to change their opinion or to recruit them into you know becoming a big yeah. or anything like that. And I'm I'm okay with people not believing. You are. Mm-hmm. You've made peace with that. You don't try to prove this to anyone but yourself. Right. Right. And have you fully proved it to yourself? And this is moving into the territory that we talked off camera. Have you fully proved it to yourself? Because I said, out of all the Bigfooters that have approached the boundary of the woo, they usually continue onwards and go full Tom Powell. Or they go from now full Toby. Uh, but you step back from that edge of, you know, thinking, oh, that's how this works. It's, it's more like magic. And now you're back in the realm of this is explained science. This is something that can be explained. This is a riddle worth solving. Talk to me about that process, if you're comfortable, about being, you know, gone from the public eye for a bit and 
things that you thought privately as much as you feel like talking about? Well, there was a short period of time that I was questioning, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily say that I completely believe that they could be something, that they were something supernatural, but I was thinking that the possibility existed. I mean, mm-hmm. you think about how many people are into Bigfoot now and all the thousands and thousands of Bigfooters that are out there. And as far as, as far as like uh, really good evidence goes, there's not a lot of it, you know? Mm-hmm. And that was one of the, that was one of the things that at the time, I think, I think part of it was just being frustrated and not being able to obtain anything more than what we had and you know wanting to you know come to the next step and finally i think it was i think it was just a just a easy approach to say like i don't know if if i can't prove that they're real then maybe there's something supernatural mm-hmm. because there's just so much time that was you know spent and they would, yeah they would be oftentimes what we believed uh, that were sasquatches you know close by they're based on all the things that were being recorded and things that yeah. we were hearing just kind of seem just kind of seems strange that you know there's only been a few actual sightings of them that we've had so that's okay so that's interesting so it's not as though you had an experience you didn't nothing happened as far as you being shaken to your core like holy crap i just saw this and now they have to be linked to something paranormal it was the lack of evidence that was steering you to say now wait a second we should have something more than we have now and these excuses that they have about the forest being you know uh, resolute enough to take care of something that died never finding bones from a cougar all these things that we've heard the meldrum excuses right um that's what bothered you most is that fair to say the excuses the fact that like a like a like a body could right in the forest that those facts bothered you because is that what I'm hearing from you, that that was the main source of irritation for you as far as the Bigfoot problem? Because you should be able to find a Bigfoot body. Look how big they are. Well, I mean, even, even if it wasn't me, like, a, a, problem that I, a problem that I had with it at the time and I was questioning was just thinking, mm-hmm. I mean, with thousands of people looking for the subject and, you know, having all this, you know, fancy equipment and just amazing cameras just on their phones mm-hmm. why is there why is there not just amazing compelling video that is you know crystal clear mm-hmm. so where have you okay now how do you answer that question now that you're a flesh and blooder you're an aper how do you how do you since there isn't that money shot what have you done to say this is why well first of all i mean there's a lot of there's a lot of uh and i would i would never say that i was I would never say that I was woo or anything like that. Right. But uh, I just simply believe that there is a possibility that, you know, they were mm-hmm. something supernatural. And just like, you know, a lot of, just like a lot of, uh, you know, Native American legends go. But then again, I've never had anything, I've never had anything supernatural, you know, happen mm-hmm. in, any of my experiences i've never been you know zapped or felt infrasound or uh i've never been mind spoken to or anything Mm. like that so everything that 
everything that we've observed, it's just been mm -hmm. what you had believed. To what be, you've told everybody. What, what you believed yeah. to be, you know, a real flesh and blood creature, like the one that I saw in the daylight. It, even though, even though my reaction was you know, seeing, oh shit, you know, this is a monster that I'm looking at. It still looked natural. But getting back to the question, since we don't have anything really other than Bluff Creek, not really. I mean, there's a couple that have come out, but Bluff Creek's the one. Um, why? Why do you think that is? Like, what have you done to say, well, this is why we have pictures of snowy leopards, we have pictures of rare underwater underwater sea creatures from tsunamis. Things have happened. Things have washed up. But this hasn't happened yet. So what have you done to say, well, here's the scientific reason, here's the tech reason why we don't have this. Why is everything always blurry? I, I don't have the answer to that. And uh, I just I just tend to, like, you know, with uh, when it comes to questioning one side or the other, I just tend to, I just tend to believe that, you know, it's, it's an actual physical being because even though there is a lack of evidence i mean when it comes to like uh you know footprints and things like that there's significant evidence in a lot of that mm -hmm. right they left behind plenty of physical evidence so the, there shouldn't really even be skeptics out there based upon things like foot footprints and hair and now we have edna right where you can test the sample of the dirt where a footprint was and see this footprint has DNA in it. We don't even need to cast it anymore. We can get information from the soil. So there's science there. Like there's an obnoxious amount of science to say, yeah, they're here, but yet we still have all the detractors. Do you think, is that accurate? Say that again. Well, as far as like all the science that's available, available science data on the table, let's just say we'll take Meldrum's research. Here's the encyclopedia of why you should believe in Bigfoot. There's enough, in your opinion, to say, yeah, he's made his case. I believe him. Yeah. Yeah. Even if you didn't live on an excellent property and um, see them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just think there's, I, I think there's, I think there's enough, even though there's not a lot of it, I think there's enough physical evidence to believe mm -hmm. that, you know, yes, especially seeing them on, you know, multiple occasions to mm -hmm. believe that, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a physical being. You know? mm -hmm. uh, one of the things that Rich said in his interview was, they're not rare. He goes, when I was a cop, you know, I was, I was looking into the matter when I was a cop, and I wanted to see how rare they were. And he says, they're not rare. They're everywhere. What do you think of that statement? Mm. I would disagree with that. You think they are rare? Well, I mean, I think if I think if they weren't rare, then there would be all kinds of you know mm -hmm. camera phone videos that are on YouTube and everything. Mm -hmm. But where you're going tonight is a hot spot. Is that fair to say? There's been some. There's been some uh, pretty compelling activity that's happened. And fifteen minutes. Uh, to the east is another hot spot, um, and then north of that is another hot spot, and there are these sections all over where the hot spots are everywhere. I mean, one of the things that Henry Franzoni says that I bring up is that uh, look at place names, right? Like 
names that sound strange or Native American sounding strange names or scary names, um, even names about snakes, are hot spots for Bigfoot. And they're all over the globe. They're all over America, that's for sure. So why do you think that would be? As far as hot spots being just everywhere. Do they move? Do they migrate? Like there's a a clan here and then they move to a different spot or? I think certain places could be hot for a little while. Mm -hmm. Maybe maybe for a couple of years or maybe once every, you know, so many years. Right. Um, But I would imagine that there's definitely areas that they prefer over others. And what kind of area do they prefer? No, I don't know that because, you know, some of the areas are completely completely different than the other yeah and uh there's some people that think that you have to go like you know super deep to you know have anything happen i i personally think that there's a lot of uh i mean even though i don't believe there's a lot of sasquatches i think if let's pretend if i was a sasquatch i think it would be a lot easier to survive if you were closer to the edge of civilization where you could still raid people's garbage you know, mm-hmm. you kill their chickens and you know things of that nature than it would be to just survive in the wild yeah that's what homeless people do mm-hmm. <laughs> live right on the edge like come in and grab what they need um, at least the ones that live long term mm-hmm. I mean even if they didn't even if they didn't live right on the edge mm-hmm. I would imagine I would think that a lot of them would frequent, you know, that mm-hmm. edge of civilization, like the rural areas and, you know, mm-hmm. things like that. And this place is no different that we're at right now as far as, like, food, water, cover, the mm-hmm. things that an animal would look. I mean, that's why we chose this spot is because it's indicative of the, the tall cedars and the, there's a creek. I don't know if the uh, road can pick that up, but, uh, you know, it's right next to one of the old town roads here. And we're in a a little window of good weather, too. So you probably stand a good chance tonight to to have some action. Do you think weather has anything to do with it? I would I would think that it would have something to do with it. Mm. But then again, I haven't looked at a lot of data and thought, you know, oh, based on uh, based on your average mm. Sasquatch sighting, right. it's going to be, you know, 46 degrees. And I, I, I don't, I'm not... I'm not into the subject enough to care, you know, for those details. And honestly, I'm not even passionate about Sasquatch. It's something that I was mm. I was really into back in like 2013 and 14. Um, it's not that I'm not interested in it now. I still, you know, go out to locations with my friends and such. But it's I, I don't have the I don't have the same passion for it like I did before. I mean, mm-hmm. back in 2013-14. For a couple of years, I got really burned out, you know, mm-hmm. staying up, staying up late at night, going to work the next day. Mm-hmm. It, it, I was just kind of burned out on Bigfooting. During those times, did you ever find yourself actually staying up all night, waiting for an, an, an action, an event to unfold and then go to work? I mean, were you ever that uh, there's, uh, there into times, it? There was definitely times that I was so into it that I would stay up till two in the morning on a mm-hmm. work night. And, and have to get up when? Six thirty, seven o'clock. Yeah. And maybe nothing would happen. Yeah. And you would still do it. Mm-hmm. Because why? Would something small happen? And be like, oh, that could be them. 
Mm. I mean, there was a lot of times that, you know, we would we would hear things like, uh, mm. you know, wood knocking, rock clacking, vocalization, or mm. you know, something. Uh, enough, often enough for me to stay up fairly late. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it seems like, it seems like a lot of times the most active would be like around, you know, after 11 o'clock. Okay, so there was a time. There was never... Well, you had a daytime sighting, though, too, right? Yeah. 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 The the tweaker? The yeah, crackhead? He was, he was a daytimer? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was... Uh, and as far as your... As far as, like, your viewers go, if they see me shaking right now, it's because it's really cold. So I'm not <laughs> It's not cracked. <laughs> but yeah, the, the ones that... Uh, the one that I saw in the daylight, he was, you know, moving around, like, really right. fidgety and everything. And he, he looked... He looked, uh, he looked, you know, really scared. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, I'm trying to, you know, at 100 feet away, mm-hmm. it's, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure he could tell that, you know, we were afraid of mm-hmm. him too. So uh, you said uh, 100 feet or 150 feet for the thermal one. Was that about right? Well, we measured it and it was like 122 feet. Okay. So this 100 foot the distance is that you think that that's a thing like is that a rule maybe or is that just like hey we can only get within 100 feet of john because he's you know he's gonna freak out if he sees us do you think there's any kind of uh i don't want to use the word uh code between sasquatch but you can get closer than that with a deer i mean not so much closer do you think there's any reason why uh they keep their distance so much i don't know i mean there's there's a, I think I told you about that time where, uh, where we had heard this, Sarah and I were outside and we heard this pop being banged on. Yeah. And then, uh, we were like, oh shit, you know, we got the whole thing on audio and everything. And Derek and David Ellis, they had lent us this, this was before we had the thermal device that had the capability of onboard recording. And so this one did not record, but you could look through it. And so we ran mm-hmm. to the house after we heard that pop being banged on. Mm-hmm. And then I, I have my gun and a flashlight, and I just inch my way over, mm-hmm. and I shine my light. And I was 40, 45 feet away from it when I, when I shine my light in its eyes. And, I mean, I could, I could see the face, but mm-hmm. it was just so, it was so brief. Mm-hmm. That I, I couldn't I couldn't tell you any detail or anything like that because as soon as I saw it I was like oh fuck and then I you know ran off you know yeah back towards the house but then uh, Sarah was viewing it through her uh, through that thermal that didn't have uh, recording capability and she was watching it and she said it was like swaying back and forth and everything and mm-hmm. I was like well take a picture of it and she put her phone up to it and took a picture at the time I. When all these things happen, it's so easy to think, man, mm-hmm. I should have said, do this. I should have said, you know, mm-hmm. we'll put your phone up to it and do a video recording. Wasn't wasn't thinking of that. Mm-hmm. I should have. It was dumb of me to not think of that, but it mm-hmm. just didn't happen at the time. Right. And then, uh, yeah, that was, that was, mm-hmm. I, I guess I was tying that into what you were saying about, you know, did they stay, you know, 100 feet away? Because I would guess that, you know, when I, just guessing, when mm-hmm. I saw that one, I would guess that it was uh, mm-hmm. 40, 45 feet away. When you saw the tweaker? No, this was the this was the time that uh, 
I flashed a light okay. in its eyes. Okay. And this was at dark? Yeah. How close to, like, the gazebo area? Uh, pretty close. Just, okay. Like, the gazebo is right yeah. here. The house is back here. Yeah. And I don't know if you remember that big tree that's over here. It was over by that mm -hmm. big tree. I mean, we, to explain, the gazebo is kind of like your... Uh, hangout spot it's where the fire pit is yeah, close to that yeah fire pit there. right and you can hang in there when it's raining mm -hmm. okay and that was where we had our, we were right at the gazebo when we had uh got the thermal footage as well and you've never got a gift at the gazebo something strange set found no rocks or sticks or items nothing set near that gazebo Nothing that I've noticed. Okay, anybody else notice? Mm. Say, hey, this is fucking weird. I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Okay, I mean, it would stick out. Like, if someone put something weird by your property, you'd know it. Mm -hmm. And that's still within the realm of a primate. You know, primate could do that. Mm -hmm. Relic hominid could do that. Huh, that's interesting that they haven't done that. Because that is a big component of mm -hmm. people like yourself is gifting. Now, have you ever gifted them or tried to made an offering or, you know? Oh, there was time when, when we had saw the one in the daylight for about a week before that, we were, there was a time where the reason we were actually out in the woods at that time is we were putting some food out, you know, after hearing them around the area. Mm -hmm. And so we were dumping some food off at the time. And that's, you know, when I had saw the one in the daylight. And as far as, you know, the food that we were leaving out, for all I know, we could have been feeding raccoons and squirrels at the time, but we were putting some what food kind, out in the same Was area. it in boxes or containers? Did you say that? Was um, it, how was it presented or set or left? It was just on a paper plate. Okay. Did you ever do the whole peanut butter interaction thing where you leave out a jar of peanut butter or anything like that? To see if something had opened it? Yeah. I think we did do that before, and I don't remember if anything happened. Okay. Or if it, you know, ended up missing or mm -hmm. anything like that. But What about weaves, structures? Uh, you know, the weaving is a big one. Vines, b branches, limbs woven together. Anything like that? Mm, I, can't, I can't specifically think of anything, you know, woven together. There's, mm. times, that, there's times that you can uh, have Bigfoot on the brain, too. And mm. just... You know, you see a series of things that are leaning and like, whoa, is that possibly right. some type of a Sasquatch blind or something? Right. And it could have been something completely natural. And so, yeah. So, I mean, as far as like, as far as like gifting and things like that goes, mm -hmm. I mean, we would leave food out from time to time, but it wasn't like, it wasn't like, uh, it wasn't like we were getting these handmade wreaths uh -huh. or anything like that. Yeah. Now you're smiling. No, I'm saying, I'm saying, like, I've never seen... I know, but you're anything. smiling over handmade wreaths. What do you think of that? I, I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not saying that <laughs> it's not something that happens. Right. I'm just saying it hasn't happened with... Yeah. ...with anything that I've seen. Would that bother you? If something left you... I don't think it... ...crafty it, like that? It wouldn't bother me, and I know some people probably have a problem with things like that, like... You know, there's no way Sasquatches would weave something together. Well, it doesn't require that much intelligence to weave something together. And so if they mm -hmm. if they wanted to, of course they could. But a bear couldn't do it. No, a bear could not do it. A deer, the hooves would 
have to work real hard with the antlers to do it. One so time, I mean, as far as as far as like, I, I wouldn't call this gifting. I would call this strange. Um, one time on our barbed wire fence, there was this. I was just you know walking the edge of the fence line, and I saw some hair on the fence. Mm -hmm. And what it was was like a. It was a coyote pelt, like just the like the skin and everything, but not like the innards or anything like that. Just the, just like the pelt, was, was like woven, not not woven, but like wrapped around barbed wire, and I was thinking, that's, my only my only thought like if it wasn't. The only thing that could potentially do that is a human or a Sasquatch, and it wasn't like. If it was a human that did mm -hmm. it, I don't think that would be very intimidating or mm -hmm. funny. I don't think it would be a prank mm -hmm. because it was in kind of a hidden area. Like what would be funny is putting that coyote, you know, pelt on somebody's windshield. You know, that's obvious. Mm -hmm. But in, you know, a really obscure area. So getting to sounds that you've heard, I mean, you're releasing vocals that you have. And one of the things that uh, you released that we talked about off camera was the um, what I would call a terminal ending where the there's more of a, a, a sonic it's it's maybe infrasound we don't know what it is but it's a different vocal that happens on one of these sounds that you released that is much stronger and so what do you attribute that to I don't know what to attribute it to but that clip that I was playing for you the only thing that I could say is you know as it was going on, I mean, it was such a loud, deep call that or scream that you could you could like physically feel the vibration from it. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't that close to us either. I'm three, four hundred yards away. I mean, we didn't see it, mm -hmm. but just guessing based on you know where the noise was coming from. So when you say feel it, I've felt it. What did you feel? I mean, just. Just a, just, you know, an audio sound that is that loud to mm -hmm. physically feel it. Did it feel different than someone driving by with their car stereo on with the bass up loud? Was it a different kind of feeling? Uh, I mean, I don't know that there was anything special about it other than that it was just that loud. Right. So you've never been made sick? No, I've never, or, never had anything like that happen to me. No. Okay. Have you been in the company of people that have gotten sick unexpectedly? Not when I was there personally, but I, I know people who have explained things that have happened like that. Mm -hmm. People you trust? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So one of the things that you know we did with the podcast is we put it in a bar because uh, they opened it up to us, really, and they said, hey, we're short on business if you can bring in customers talk about whatever you want so both the bars that i went to um fit that demo and they usually slide you in on a slower day in the afternoon or something like that and then you start out with a small audience and it grows but they have a pint of beer by them and uh you know you're doing two or three hours of talking about some strange stuff and they start talking about stranger stuff after a few beers have you ever been around people that say one thing and then wait for the car to pass? After a few beers, this 
the story changes or things change up? And why do you think that would be if that's the case? I mean, I, I know people that have, you know, pretty conservative beliefs on what they believe Sasquatch is. Mm-hmm. And it seems like almost everybody has one of those stories of, well, there was this one time and then, you know, something weird happens to where, you know, they mm-hmm. have had, you know, something like you were explaining, you know, whether it was there's people that have talked about, like, feeling this paralysis that came over them or whether mm-hmm. that comes from, you know, fear or whatever, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I've I've never experienced it, but I, people who have talked right. about it, I believe them. Right. And in the podcast, too, you talk about this neighbor across the street that uh, fishes and hunts all year. That's his whole life is doing that. He's seen 15 different times, you said, right, including a pregnant female. That's what he told me. And... Uh, his neighbor next to him is a guy that I interviewed at a gas station who said that his grandmother used to trade salmon with one and like literally walk up to the Sasquatch and there was a trade that happened. Uh-huh. All right. What do you think of those kind of stories? I mean, I think they, I think they could, I think that that could definitely be a possibility. Yeah. I mean, I've never had, I, I've only, like I've told you before I've only seen them you know a few different times but so obviously we don't have that yeah intimate connection (laughs) would you ever have a connection like that with something that you hell no you wouldn't no I would never get that close so you wouldn't want it to progress into like a full on oh this is you know John the Bigfoot and uh no 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 that would be out of my comfort zone. Okay. So just short of that, you would uh, investigate the issue, even if they... Because you've had some really close encounters. Like, there's something coming up to the edge of your property and somewhat communicating with you, either by saying, hey, we're here, and, you know, we know you can see us. Yeah, I mean, when Sarah and I were in the backyard and it started banging on that metal pot that was back there, and we didn't even know that there was a metal pot that was back there, but there was this old rusty metal pot that we saw the next day because it was mm-hmm. when we heard it, it was banging on something metallic. Mm-hmm. And as close as it was to us, I don't. It clearly wasn't trying to remain hidden. It surely had to have known that we were there. And by making that banging, I would mm-hmm. only assume that it was kind of just making its presence known for one reason or another. I don't know if it was. Yeah. I don't know how it was trying to communicate with us. If it was trying to communicate, like, hey, get us some food or something. I, I don't know. Yeah. Now, what happened to that pot? I, nothing happened to it. It was never collected? No, the Olympic Project never did analysis on it? Nothing like that? Mm-mm. Okay. They weren't interested in it? I mean, there were just so many things that had happened. Right. You know, in those couple of years that, you know, maybe that would have been a good thing to collect, but it just, it never was. Right. Hmm. All right. In closing, because it's cold as balls out here. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's let's talk to the fifteen-year-old kid that's going to see this podcast and doesn't know anything about Bigfoot. Wants to get into it. Thinks your story's credible. Thinks you're cool. Wants wants to go look for Bigfoot. What do you tell a kid like that 
that's going down this road of looking into it. Well, first of all, I would suggest just getting online and researching some, you know, active areas in different counties that have, you know, really good results. Otherwise, it's kind of like mm -hmm. going, it's kind of like trying to find a needle in a haystack. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, if they were trying to, if they were trying to get some action, I would say that, you know, a really good county, if they were in Washington, mm -hmm. Skamania County would be a good one. Okay. All right. Thanks, John. Yeah. Thanks for having me. All right. That was John Brown. Again, the YouTube site, Salish Sasquatch. Incredible information on there. If you want to get to know the legitimate phenomena through an extended experiencer, there you have it. Now, I'd never heard of an extended experiencer until John that uh, didn't start going down the rabbit hole further and further and further. You could see he pulled his head out of the rabbit hole and uh, is now looking back into explainable science to understand this phenomena. And so I thought that was interesting enough to revisit. If you're a member of Patreon, then you already heard part one of this interview with John over Zoom. But uh, I wanted to meet him back again and really just sit back with him mano a mano and, and talk about how and why that is delicately as much as we could. And uh, I think we pulled it off. So after that interview, I went down north of Morton, Washington, and wasn't too far from where we were doing this. And consequently, this interview was super cold. And so if you hear a sniffing and huffing and all those things, um, we're trying to find a way to, to keep warm. But it, it wasn't too cold to keep me away from the lake. It was an abandoned, empty lake north of that area where possible impressions could be. And so I went out there, and the main thing what I was looking to do was to, to cast tracks in unusual locations that look like they could be human or human-like. And so I want to thank Brent Dill, who I've been calling Brett, <laughs> and I apologize for that, Brent. All through the video, I called you Brett, but we had just met for the first time, and uh, that, that video is available online the extended version is available at patreon.com forward slash strange brow radio but brent was uh nice enough to hold the camera and help me cast some unusual tracks which absolutely uh are you know in my opinion 99.9 percent .9 sure that they're human tracks and uh again the main point was in our due diligence just to shoot a video on how we cast tracks or how i cast tracks so mission accomplished in that way I think Brent said he did maybe hear a wood knock when we were in the casting phases, which was 15 minutes away from where we parked our car out in the empty frozen lake, very frozen lake. Anyway, that video's available right now. Um, and Brent is also got an interesting connection to the Al Moon Lab, and we are drawing those connections as we speak. And I'll tell you more about how, what his connections will be, and I think we allude to them in the video as well. Also coming up on February 6th and 7th, uh, you can sign up now at Strange Brow Radio at the Facebook page. There's a link for that. And I'll also put it at strangebrowradio.com. A virtual event, Sasquatch, and anomalous audio analysis. 
So there will be uh, at least three or four speakers doing hands-on training, I guess, uh, going over what we do to look for anomalous sounds, taking questions, uh, presenting evidence, and it doesn't just stop at Sasquatch. These other anomalous sounds, which I've alluded to, played before, on and on with these other sounds, which could be subtle to very loud and extreme, may or may not be connected to anything to do with Sasquatch, but they're in the same neighborhood and they keep coming up and uh, that is totally being validated to me on and on and on with other people I've talked to. So we're going to be doing that uh, from Arlington, Washington, virtually. You can watch it, ask questions, enjoy the live stream. And then the evening of the 6th, I believe that's Saturday evening, we're going out to do hands-on training in a known active area. And then we are going to come back and do a data dump and uh, share with what we got. Hopefully the weather holds up. Hey, if you want to be a guest, you can do it. Go to strangebowradio at gmail.com. Again, thank you to all the patrons at patreon.com forward slash strange bow radio and that's it for me i uh, have some more guests lined up won't be too long before we're back again for the last episode of season one and moving on to season two here all right i'll see you in the trees <laughs>